0: In my plays I want to sort of spark that little memory you might have of your childhood of like making fry bread or something like there are very cultural aspects in the play that awaken your memory like oh my god I remember doing that I remember doing that with my grandma I remember this when we had to go to boarding school and had to do that and, you know, like most of my plays I always try to reach for like Hunzion. in English it would probably translate as balance First People's Fund presents the Collective Spirit Podcast. The Collective Spirit moves each of us to stand up and make a difference, to pass on ancestral knowledge, and simply extend a hand of generosity. The Collective Spirit Podcast features native artists and culture bearers who discuss the power of indigenous art and culture. Hi, my name is Blossom Johnson, and I am a Diné storyteller, playwright, teaching artist, and screenwriter. I am from the Ye Diné Tachitni clan. My maternal grandfather is from the Desh Chitni clan. I was raised by my grandmother on the very top of Tahijian. Well, I've always been surrounded by stories. Uh, when I open the front door of my grandmother's yellow house, I can see a coal mine. Below the Mesa is an old rundown restaurant where my mother used to hustle as a waitress during the summer in her teen years. And there's an old store where my grandmother would upsell her handmade jewelry to tourists by the entrance. But the restaurant and store has now been closed for years because what was taken from our land, our earth was diminished. So no one stayed and they eventually went out of business. The people that did stay are Danette. And when I create I write for my people and the stories I write come from memories, experience, and my family history. In my writing, I reveal truths that are hard to face but balance the darkness with humor, so the viewer has a chance to breathe and laugh. I recently completed a playwriting residency with Elter Theatre in Willow Springs and and Durango Playfest where I developed two plays, a boarding school play and Monster Slayer. I am a proud member of the Dramatists Guild and the Literary Managers and Dramaturgs of the Americas. I've been awarded the First Peoples Cultural Capital Fellowship 2022, and I'm excited about this because I'll get to continue to develop my voice, writing, and artistry. So my first play was actually called Red Running Into Water, Red Running into Water is a clan within the Diné clanship, so that's how we are, how we know that we're related to one another. I'm actually Ya'i Diné Táchini, which is Giant People, but we're still under the branch uh, Táchini, which translates to Red Running into Water. So Red Running into Water follows the story of Nana Black Rock, a 22-year-old Navajo woman who refuses to be a statistic. And this play was important to me because I felt like there was so much things that people don't talk about within family. And it could range from like, the things like you don't say this you don't talk about this you don't share the story this is an ugly story we don't talk about it and there's no reason for you to talk about it so this play does explore or uh, i don't know content warning <laughs> it does explore incest rape and trauma and generational trauma because these are some experiences that dinah women have experienced maybe not just dinah women but dinah children have experienced in some parts of their family and there's. Just, oh, and then we don't talk about it. If we don't talk about it, we don't break that generational curse, you know? So this play is about that. This character, Nana, Blackrock, refuses to be a statistic. She doesn't want to be like, you're one in blank woman to be like sexually assaulted. She doesn't want to be that. She doesn't want to be defined by her statistics. She wants to be more than that. And she proves that in the end of the play, she is strong. <laughs> Um, I think the whole family realizes that, they're all, it's a matriarch, so (laughs) they sort of uh, realize that some things need to shift and they need to make men feel accountable for their actions that they've harmed, like they've harmed the family. So that's why this play was very important for me to write. Well, in elementary school, I remember we're doing a play. I don't remember what the play was about, but I remember that I was a sheep. (laughs) And I was just in the background, not the major player, not the main cast, but I was a sheep. And then there was like wolves or coyotes attacking. But then I got so upset and tired. I was like, I don't want to be a sheep. I do not want to be in the background. And I think the story wasn't really written by someone that was native, so I just, didn't want to be a part of it. And this was me probably in kindergarten, (laughs) very young. And I just wanted to tell my own stories. And I think my family sort of saw that they thought I was sort of a comedic, (laughs) but I don't think I was, but it was, it was kind of fun. Um, I started writing stories and that's usually just in my journal because I thought I was going to be an author or or children's books, book writer, I could still be, but then I didn't know that what I wanted to actually do was playwriting or storytelling. And I think my main inspiration has been my grandma. Well, she, she long passed. Her name is Estanes. So on my Instagram, I'm like, I'm Estanes Betoy. But then uh, it's just the tall woman's granddaughter. And I think she inspired me the most. Um, She was funny. Like, she had so many stories she would tell randomly when we we're going on hikes on the Mesa. So I feel like she was like the main influence for me as a storyteller. I don't, I didn't start calling myself a playwright until like actually maybe five years ago. When I wrote my first full-length play, that's when I was like, oh, this is playwriting. This is what this is. This is the different form or different medium. And then I was like, I like this. This is something I want to continue to do. It's fun because you get to create your own worlds and you become like a creator yourself with these little worlds that you create. And most of my plays are from Diné people. Most of my plays, I always try to reach for like Hojong. In English, it would probably translate as balance. And for me, I always want to make sure these plays have a balance because the characters are all striving for Hojong. And that's sort of the main theme in a play that I always explore is Hojong because I feel like that's what we are as net people want. During 2020, 2021, I was commissioned by Elton Theatre to write a full-length play called A Boarding School Play. And the play is about a high school girl's song and dance group at a boarding school. And they are invited to sing at the Winter Olympics in 2002. And that's sort of based on my own experience in Boarding school because we were learning our song and dance songs and we were also on our way to sing at the Olympics but then the tragic 9-11 had happened so it was cancelled. So I wanted to explore like teenage angst and drama and high school. In my plays I want to sort of spark that little memory you might have of your childhood of like making fry bread or something like there are very cultural aspects in the play that awaken your memory like oh my god i remember doing that i remember doing this i remember doing that with my grandma i remember i remember this when we had to go to boarding school and had to do that and i know i was very hesitant to write a boarding school play because what was happening during the past fa- the past i think two years about the children being uncovered but then And on the Navajo reservation, we talk about boarding school because it's so recent, but I guess you wouldn't call it boarding school, but everyone knows what you mean when you're like, oh, I went to boarding school, that's why I know how to fix my bed like this. I went to boarding school, that's why I know why I have to run every morning. Like when I went to boarding school, it was a cultural shift just a little bit. Like we, like the net people were in charge, like they were finally put in charge of finding a way to get the language back, get the culture back. And when I went to boarding school, that was very much implemented in the dormitory. So all of that culture that I learned was in the dorm and sometimes in boarding school too, because they had to have like Navajo culture class. But so that's what—that's <laughs> my secret agenda is just making sure people like remember who they are and how powerful they are as Diné people as a playwright, there are not a lot of opportunities to have your work actually produced. I think that's like the main struggle. And most of the playwrights I know who are also Native have their work developed, the commissioned and workshop, but sometimes it just stops there. Um, And then they want to see what else you're writing. So you have to keep constantly writing and not worry about the last play you wrote to see if it will get act get produced so you have to keep on writing and writing writing which is I don't think it's a big problem but I, like it's like no one wants to hear your stories <laughs> no one thinks it's like important in like American theater so that can also crush your heart but recently I've been very fortunate to get uh, another commission in a fellowship I can't name those fellowships yet because they were announced But that is just a dream. Like, I never would have thought that I would get that kind of support, financial support especially, to just write for, like, one entire year and you don't have to worry, like, about all of your bills. The play that I'm writing right now, is called Our Legendary Mother, and I want to make it a bilingual play because the woman I'm writing about is, like, in her 50s and she speaks both... Navajo in English and Navlish. So she does a blend of it. So I'm figuring out how to make that language come across very seamlessly into the play that I'm writing. It's a solo play. And sometimes people say solo play should just be your stories. But I feel like that's such a colonial way of thinking because us as like native people we are storytellers and we often tell stories from like different perspectives like within your community so i was like i'm gonna write this anyway (laughs) Uh, i think just a few weeks ago someone told me like yeah no one wants to hear a solo play like those don't get productions that doesn't get you anywhere but i feel like the exact opposite I feel like that is like the easiest, like thing you can tour with. You can tour with that piece wherever you want. And right now the play does deal with like um, a lot of cultural practices, like how to make calcium from the tree, the cedar tree. So I'm gonna be learning that with my aunt this summer. And for me, I always find a way to balance what I can share with people. And my writing's always been for Navajo people but it's always for them. So I always make sure that if a non-Navajo or non-Dinette audience members sees it, I just wanna make sure I'm also being respectful by not oversharing my culture in the plays that I'm writing. And right now the play also tackles time. And I remember going to Dinette College just for like a Navajo language immersion class or camp. And you just learn Navajo, you just speak Navajo. And if you speak English, they're like, ah, you spoke English. <laughs> so there I met this, um, I don't know if he's a medicine man, but he was like a knowledge carrier. And he was telling us about the Hogan, about the how time works in the Hogan, why the Hogan is shaped like that. So that part of that learning and teaching is also part of my play. Because in the plays, time is different. Like You only have like 90 minutes or less. So how do you create time in a play so that's how i'm using the time shift in a in this particular is using the hogan i'm not sure how to do that just yet but i'm really that's what excites me the most is like how can you use what you know from your culture and put it in your play without overexposing it and sometimes i feel like i do that but then <laughs> I have like some Navajo people who help me develop the work. You're like, ah, uh, this doesn't feel like you should be sharing this. But then I'm like, okay, I'll take that out. Like I'm not going to argue with my aunties. <laughs> yeah, but then they, my first play, I was like, I'm putting it all out. I'm putting all the dirty laundry out there. I don't care what my family's My family hasn't read that play too, so hopefully they don't read it. <laughs> I'm like everyone can experience this play except my family. <laughs> There are moments when I'm writing a scene and I'm like, am I, am I supposed to be writing this? Does it belong in the play? Like if I, I have to ask, ask these questions of myself, like, is this serving the play? Is it serving the characters? If it's not, then it doesn't have to be there. This is just a scenario. Like if I'm writing a play and the character has to see a medicine man, do I have to write that scene between like the medicine man of like explore what happens? Like, no, I don't need to do that that's not important. That doesn't really serve the play at all. It could just be like a dialogue between the character who does go see the medicine man in dialogue with like the sibling, like, oh, I did this. I went to see the medicine man. And he said, I am cursed. (laughs) Instead of like him doing his thing, you know, like that is something we don't need to see. Like, that's interesting, but it's, like, doesn't serve anyone. (laughs) So it's, like, I just find that balance somehow. And I think it's a lot easier as I'm, like, relearning things, too. Because I feel like when you relearn things, you're, like, oh, my God, that is so cool. How can I put that in a play? Like, no, don't do that. And I see some TikTokers do that, like, finding, like, oversharing too much of their culture on TikTok or on social media. I'm like, don't do that. (laughs) Just ask yourself these questions. Does it serve the community? Does it serve you? Does it serve, like, serve the character or the storyline that you are going after? If it doesn't, does it mean it has to be in your work? For the work I'm trying to do, I feel like it's fun, you know? It's healing, it's conversational, it's about community, and it's bringing people together in a theater space. And I think that's the fun part, is just bringing people together. I think a lot of people saw themselves in the character of Nana in Red Running Into Water. They felt like a connection with her. And they were able to share their stories during, like, the talkbacks, their experience of what they've gone through. And I think it's that's why I want, you know, like, I just want people to talk about what they've been through. I want them to, to connect and I want them to see themselves in the character. And if the character is doing great living and has so much on their shoulder, but they're doing things to make themselves better, the future better. And that's what I'm also trying to do. And I just don't want the character that I create if they're, like, having, like, a hard time, like, I don't want them to, like, end the play with them still having a hard time, you know, like, I don't want them to have, like, a long struggle, because I don't want to see that I want to see them thrive, too, like, I don't want them to just be like, the women that we see in some movies where she ends up getting murdered and they're like no I cannot stop that there there has to be more stories about Native women who are thriving living and having a great time of their life and trying to break these traumas that they have in their family so that's this type of stories that sort of just make me want to keep writing because I don't want to just see like another native woman just being murdered on screen or raped on screen. Like those are the images I don't wanna see. And I got so tired of seeing that um, images, especially in film and it re-triggers, re-traumatizes me. And if it re-does that to me, I'm sure it does that to like many other women. And that's why I'm glad like reservation dogs and Rutherford Balls are out there. And I'm like, oh my God, they're doing what I wanna do. So that's sort of why I keep writing. It's like I don't want those images to be the only images that are stuck in Native people's heads. I want my plays to be published and put inside like a bookshop, especially drama bookshop in New York. (laughs) I think that's my my mini goal right now. But I feel like we are shifting the narrative of who we are. Every Native playwright who's writing right now will be part of like history in the future <laughs> like how the narrative shifted from people writing about me to people to people like native people writing about maybe people you know so I feel like we're all sort of a part of history like we're all making history in American theater the next play I'm writing is called our legendary mother and explores the life of a family archivist pottery maker, language carrier, sash belt weaver, and traditional herbalist who is battling stage four ovarian cancer in her 60s. She has not passed down her knowledge and fears that she will never have the opportunity, so she begins to create a family archive for her family as she races against time. This play is for my family as we grapple with the history of cancer in our family and the drastic changes of the land we are living on because of capitalism. (laughs) We see how the coal mine has changed our home and we are feeling the cancer in our bodies, whether they are linked or not. So that is the play that I will be working on with First People's Fund, with the support of First People's Fund. And the next project I'm actually doing is a playwriting workshop on the Navajo Reservation in June. As a dramaturg, I help You often help playwrights develop their work to get their play where they want it to be. So my dramaturgy is going to come out in these plays. Like, I'm going to get that story they want to tell and then, like, help them develop that. The goal is eventually come home, you know, eventually just stay home and do something similar to what I've been doing, like theater, storytelling, and especially on the reservation. Like, I've seen some theaters form, but they're always off the reservation And theaters who have formed on the res are like closed or like no longer producing any work. So I'm hoping this program will last more than one year or one summer. I want to come back every summer to do theater on the res. The Collective Spirit Podcast is produced by First Peoples Fund, whose mission is to honor and support indigenous artists and culture bearers through grant-making initiatives, culturally-rooted programming, and training and mentorship. Learn more at firstpeoplesfund.org.